Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived at our final division preview. It is the Central Division. We have got a couple of teams that are trying to find their way in the NHL hierarchy. We've got some teams that have been there, done that, that are still the top dogs. You've got some teams trying to knock those champions down a peg. And you've got a couple of teams that are stuck in the middle and you don't know exactly what they are. Episode 381 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tubuff. Starting our Central Division preview with uh, a franchise that has a team, a little bit of hope, and maybe an arena in the near future. Please, yep. God, hopefully. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes, Brett, uh, first up. Yeah, first I, I just want to mention that we are aware that uh, Andre Vasilevsky uh, has surgery and is injured, um, and we also... Um, and will be out for a couple of months. Um, and also that Trevor Zegris signed a contract. But uh, in respect to our length and <laughs> longevity of these past previews, we're, uh, we're going to push those news stories till next week when we have a shorter lineup, uh, presumably. Um, and yeah, uh, so yeah, we start off with the Arizona Coyotes. Um, yeah, this is an interesting team. I, I feel like they're not going to be that bad. Um, it's also funny because I always like I still assume that Arizona is in the Pacific, and I, I always forget <laughs> that they're not. Um, but like I don't know. I feel like there is like a sense of like maybe there is a reason that they um, like like I I always got the sense that like maybe this is like a way that NHL is kind of like subtly saying like. They're actually in the central, um, like, because, like, they're going to move their team to, like, Houston or something, but, um, of course, that hasn't happened yet, um, and, yeah, we, we don't know the future there, but I will say that they had a pretty productive offseason, uh, this year, um, there was, um, I mean, Productive in a way, I guess, is a loose way of saying that. But well, they they got veterans to commit, yep. even though it was for mostly on one year deals. Yeah, they're willing to play in Arizona and in a college barn that, not gonna lie, looks pretty sick. Yeah, it kind of looks barn. fun. I, I kind of want to go. Um, yeah, but uh, their but, ticket prices are probably cheap as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I um, yeah, mostly. I think we were. I don't know if we ever officially mentioned this on the show, but there was, because uh, there was like a point in the summer when uh, there was a bid that Arizona had stopped, or like the city of um, Glendale um, had stopped, uh, had like didn't want, refused to build a new arena for Arizona Coyotes, and it sounds like the Coyotes are going to have to relocate somewhere. Um, and it's still I iffy. It was Tempe because uh, oh, their right. previous home was in Glendale, but that's right. It was Temp- It was no, Tempe right. who said, and it was a hard no as well. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, we almost yeah. had them. It was, yep. yeah, get out of here. <laughs> and then a couple days later, there was reports that Logan Cooley, um, who had like an incredible, like if it wasn't for Adam Fantilli, he would have had the best college season um, ever. Um, 
but uh, but because Adam Fantilli was there, it's like no one really has has heard of that. But and he was kind of like a like um, it was kind of a little bit of a shock that he was uh, third overall in that draft because uh, Shane Wright was on the board there. But I felt like Arizona was kind of committed to him. Um, and it, it wasn't really that big of a deal that he wasn't going to sign because usually um, they, like, you know, college pros don't necessarily um, sign right away after their first year. But for someone like Logan Cooley, he was too good to be in college. And then there was reports that he was this, like, this news about the Tempe deal um, kind of had, like, deterred him from, from signing there. But... Yeah. In any case, like a month later, he signs with Arizona, and it's all is forgiven. And now he might—I mean, we'll we'll talk about the Calder next week, but he has a decent shot of uh, of getting a Calder or at least a nomination at the very least, um, because uh, um, we'll get into the arriving, but um, in a second. But he um, right now on a on my depth chart, I see that he's um, second. Uh, he's has the second uh, in the depth chart, but um, I could see it where like uh, he outplays Barrett Hayden, um, who is the fr- on the first line um, on this list, and and that could that could definitely help his chances for sure. Um, of course, like you would take him being on the second line any day, but um, in terms of other guys uh, that they got. Um, including Logan Cooley. I guess you can count that as well, even though he uh, they drafted him last year. Uh, Jason Zucker, uh, Sean Dursey, Matt Dumba, Zach Sitford, uh, Travis Dermott, John Leonard, Nick Bukestad, who was like, he was a Coyote last year, but then he was traded to Edmonton uh, during the trade deadline, and then I guess he comes back. Um, and then Alex Kerfoot and Troy Stetcher, uh, in terms of guys who are on their way out, uh, Zach Cassian, Patrick Nemeth, Andre, Andrew Ladd, um, although I don't think Andrew Ladd ever played a, a game for Arizona, but um, you have him here, Christian Fisher. Um, I also have uh, Brett Ritchie, Connor Mackey, and Laurent Duffin. Um, those guys who have left as well. Um so, he actually played, uh, oddly enough, 51 games for the Coyotes, oh, he? and he got uh, 12 points in those 51 games. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. You're right. I think there was a clause, because uh, he was straight from the Islanders to the Coyotes of, right. uh, on, on his games played, and uh, I think he blew that out of the water. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. I forgot about that. But that that was like two years ago, wasn't that? thought that was okay oh actually oh yeah uh well his last game is 2021 22 okay well he played games for the coyotes just not any last year i do i do remember hearing my vision so i oddly remember there was like someone some like reporter was mad that andrew ladd didn't get a masterton vote and people gave it to i forget who it was that year but um but oh people gave it to carrie price um, instead, but they were thinking like, oh, Andrew Ladd, like, like it was because he was dealing with injuries and all that. But in any case, and uh, he announced his retirement, so he's not playing for anyone. Right, right, so right. It's that's what I figure. Um, but in any case, um, 
uh, Arizona. Um, yeah, I mean, like I had talked about it in the uh, the preview central preview that we did. Um, there was there's some or sorry the uh, Pacific preview that we did. Like Sean Jersey is a pretty good defenseman, um, mm-hmm. and he just wasn't like you know because I I don't even really blame the Kings for what they for trading him uh, because you know you had. Brian Clark in the mix, uh, Jordan Spence in the mix, Drew yep. Doughty is still, you know, he's not what he once was, but he's still pretty good. Um, so, like, they had just had a plethora of defensemen, and they could afford to trade him away, uh, trade Jersey away. Um, and Jersey should be, like, a, a great player for them, or at the at most, like, a, like a decent um, power play quarterback for them. And uh, so that should definitely help. And that's not to, like, knock uh, Valimaki, um, who who did a decent job there. Um, they also got yeah. Matt Dumba um, in the mix as well, um, and who who had a down year last year um, in Minnesota, but, you know, he might, he might do something this year. Um, they also have, like, J.J. Moser, who's more of, like, a shutdown defenseman, I get the sense, but, um, but yeah, he could be pretty decent. Um, so, uh, so yeah, they improved that aspect of it, their defensive side of things by adding, just simply by adding Dursey and Dumba. Um, but then you have, um, but then, you know, if you add someone like Jason Zucker, um, who, uh, yeah, who, uh, I guess 48 points in 78 games last year, um, you know, not great, but, um, but yeah, in a similar fashion for Pittsburgh, it's like they have a lot of wingers and forwards um, in Pittsburgh that they could afford to to um, not lose him because um, I think it was a free agent signing there, um, and so so yeah, it's not a bad deal there for to see what Zucker has and um, no one really talks about this though. Like Clayton Keller had eighty six points in eighty two games last year. Um, so he was more than a point per game player, or like Nick Schmaltz had fifty eight points in sixty three games. Um, of course, like you know, if you lose a couple of games, but um, that's pretty good, uh, even still if he's healthy. Um, so it's just um, you know, and then you add like maybe Dylan Gunther gets some time, um, Matthias Maselli, who we talked a little bit about um, when he signed in the off season as well. So it's like. You know, he had 49 points in 64 games. That's 0.77 points per game. Um, so, yeah, that's that's all, like, pretty good. Um, and um, I, I don't know. I, like, I, I don't think the Coyotes are going to make the playoffs. But they made enough improvements where it's like, it wouldn't shock me if they get, like, a wild card. Hmm. Give them a wild card. Wow. I don't think they're that good yet, but okay, fair, I fair. I think Maybe they I'm could finish above crazy. 500. I think that's a good place to start. Fair, Because uh, you are going to have some pretty bad teams looking at mainly the Sharks and, to a lesser extent, the Chicago Blackhawks. And yeah. I think that's fair. if Arizona can perform at a team that's, like, hovering around, like, 10 games under 500 – without all of these names being added into the mix. Um, and they don't even have Logan Cooley playing an NHL game at that point either. 
and their rookie of the year candidate Matthias McCelli was pretty much absent for half the year due to injury. Um, like, I'm already liking where things are headed for this group. Yeah. Uh, they have Dylan Gunther, as you mentioned, in the in the prospect system. Um, I think Cooley is an opening day starter, and uh, I also think that uh, he'll probably be at the NHL level for the majority of the season. Maybe they have to send him down for a couple of games if he struggles uh, to get his confidence back. But for the most part, I think he's going to be an everyday NHLer, and um, it won't take him that much time to adjust. And when you consider that Barrett Hayton is uh, their number one center, 43 points in 82 games, 19 goals, that's not bad. But I definitely think Logan Cooley's ceiling is a lot higher than Hayton's. And I think, you know, give it about a couple of years at best case scenario, a couple of months before you test Logan Cooley in that number one slot and see what he can do with it. There was that crazy good goal he scored down in Australia against the Kings and we just did everything all by himself pretty much. Yep. And, and that's just an indication of how good uh, this player can be. Um, I also think their penalty kill is going to look a little bit better with Alex Kerfoot uh, joining the mix. I know people gave him crap in Toronto for being relied on too much in penalty kill situations. He's not a bad addition to that top six at worst. He's a top nine player and uh, a guy that can uh, really help generate uh, things on the defensive side. And I think that could help, you know, guys like Matthias McChally or Clayton Keller become those consistent scorers because he can uh, focus a bit more on the defensive side of things. Yeah. Uh, Nick Bugstad as well coming back, uh, that doesn't hurt. Maybe he's that guy that just goes to and from Arizona, then on a playoff contender, and then he goes back to Arizona and then just repeats the process. Yep. Uh, Lawson Krause also on the fourth line after scoring 24 goals and 45 points is also interesting. Yep. Yep. Um, and he's a guy that we've been kind of looking at to kind of take that next step. And there's also Jack McBain uh, with yep. 12 goals. Um, but what also interests me about Jack Bain is the dude hits a lot. Yep. And he's had hard in he's in your face, kind of like Sean Dursey, provides a bit of sandpaper, isn't really afraid of anybody. And I think you have guys that are making this team tougher to play against, um, tougher for other teams to push them around on a nightly basis. And I think ultimately when they cut down on the shot attempts against, because that was a big problem last year, and it's probably going to be a big problem until they rectify it. Um, I think this team is going to be better than people realize, but not a playoff team yet. But yeah. they're they're making progress um, in ways which I didn't expect, and at rates that I didn't expect. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. I guess maybe a wild card is a little bit too big of a leap there, but I, I guess I'm just thinking that they're going to be better than people expect them to be. Um, yeah, that's more of what I make the playoffs good on Andre Turingi. He should win yep. coach of the year for that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Of course. Um, all right. Uh, we now go to Chicago. Um, and, uh, of course you have Connor Bedard, um, the starring attraction and, um, every, like one of the most interesting, uh, um, storylines coming into the year, um, for, uh, is how good will he be in his rookie year? Um, they did uh, trade for Taylor Hall, so he does have some supporting cast. Um, mm-hmm. They also got Corey Perry as well, um, Nick Foligno, 
Um, and Ryan Donato is also added to this lineup. Um, on the way out, Jonathan Tays, um, Alex Regula. Um, is that right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Alec Regula, Ian Mitchell. Ian Mitchell, Caleb Jones, uh, Juajar Kiera. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Juajar um, Kiera, yeah, he Jujar signed in Minnesota. Um, Alex Stalock, um, Anders Bjork, and Anton Kudobin. Um, yeah, so they, they have a decent... Um, yeah, it should be interesting just to see how Bedard does. I'm also, you know, curious to see what Taylor Hall does because um, mm-hmm. it's like now it's interesting because he's had a kind of a interesting a d- up and down career basically where you know he was he was okay on Edmonton like you know you could see something formulating in Edmonton but it wasn't his fault that. He was on a bad team. Uh, he's been on. He was on a bad team in Edmonton. Yeah. Then he gets traded to New Jersey, and he was the best player by far in New Jersey. Um, and even gets makes them wills them into the playoffs. Gets a hard trophy that year, um, and then um, and then he gets injured, and then he gets traded to Buffalo. Or no, sorry, he signs with Buffalo, and you're thinking like, oh, he's gonna work with. Uh, Jack Eichel, and then that doesn't work, um, and then uh, they trade Taylor Hall to Boston, and he's doing, you know, um, he he does have some chemistry with Krejci, and then, um, and then he, you know, and then he was on like the third line last year, um, even though it's like it wasn't necessarily his fault because it's like, you know, if you have Taylor Hall on your third line, you're you're doing pretty good, but. Um, but yeah, he was on his third line. So, um, and then just for cap reasons, he gets traded to Chicago, um, and um, and yeah, it seems like now it's like um, the joke was always that like he when it because when he was on the Devils, that was around the same time when the Devils got Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes. When he was on Edmonton, that was when they got. Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Neil Yakupov, and uh, Connor McDavid, and then it, like it just so happened that he gets traded to the Blackhawks, but that was after they had won the lottery. So it's like um, it's just kind of funny that it works out that way. Yeah, I um, hope that's the last lottery they win. Not gonna lie, I think they're good for a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, but um, but yeah, so I'm curious about that, um, or just how like who's gonna be on Connor Bedard's line. Is he actually like gonna be on the same kind of wavelength as Connor McDavid? Um, even more so, the Blackhawks like to further this parallel between McDavid and Bedard. Not just that they have the same first name um, and they were generational talents um, in CHL in the CHL, but uh, the Blackhawks also have a German prospect. Uh, Lucas Reichel, um, who was also like incredible last year in the AHL. Um, yeah, and... you you kept badgering the Hawks to like get in some NHL time. Oh yeah, yeah, I was forgot the assignment of tanking for Bedard. Right, right, exactly. Like I think he had like four points in six games last year, or something like that, or something crazy like that. And then there, yeah, were, in like... the minor leagues, he was electric. Yeah, 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 he was he was very good in the AHL. And then when he cut, gets called up, he like scores right away. And of course, like you know. 
small sample size, but I believe he, um, let me see if I can find that out, um, exact stats here, but um, I'm looking at, um, oh, there we go. Uh, oh, that's interesting. So Cap Friendly has him as a center, um, which I guess furthers this Leon Dreisaitl parallel as well. Um, yeah, he had 15 points in 23 games. Um, wow. In, in, in On a terrible Chicago Blackhawks team at that. Um, so, um, so, yeah, it's like this could, like, it isn't an interesting model because this is basically how the Edmonton Oilers became a thing. So you have a Canadian generational talent who at, with a first name of Connor, and you also have a German prospect who's, like, killed it wherever he goes um, as well. So um, around the same time. So it's, uh, yeah, they both, um, they both could be um, very, like, interesting players to look out for. Um, yeah, and we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I guess on that note, like, yeah, the, obviously Bedard, Reichel, Taylor Hall are very exciting. Um, having said all that, I still think the Blackhawks are going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Um, no matter how good Bedard is, like, even if he gets, like, 90 points, it's like, okay, maybe they'll be the 30th best team instead of the 32nd, but, um, ultimately, like, their goaltending isn't up to par, like, they still have Peter Mrazek, um, Seth Jones is their only good defenseman, um, (laughs) and, um, yeah, so, like, and they're still, you know, even if Connor Bedard is really good, it's like, he's still 18 years old, he's 5'10", uh, so, it's hard, you know, it's hard to say, um, you know, it's very possible that Connor Bedard starts out like a lot like how Jack Hughes started out, where he was very slow to uh, to figure things out. But um, it's very possible that that could happen. Um, but mm-hmm. um, but we'll we'll have to see, and you never really know. But of course, it's like you know, um, we'll we'll see. I, most likely, when players are hyped like Connor Bedard has been, um, they usually work out. But um, there's also that potential that he might not. So, um, but yeah, like the, then you like look at the rest of the lineup and you're like, oh, okay, so maybe, <laughs> maybe this Blackhawk team is not going to be that good. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, if you want to talk about how bad the Hawks were last year, yeah, twenty goals, twenty assists, forty points for Andreas at the CU. Uh, that was uh, their top score. That's still around because. Yep. Uh, you had Max Domi, who they traded at the trade deadline, among other pieces. Patrick and uh, beyond that, they just weren't very good. And the goals against average was uh, about as high as you expect, maybe even higher, because uh, I kind of forget how bad they were. I just remember this visual of yep. Anton Hudobin tripping uh, the left side of uh, the ice um, and losing his footing and gifting, I think it was the Capitals, the easiest goal they'll ever score ever. Um, but I think this year is going to be better when you consider that Taylor Hall is going to be on a number one line with Connor Bedard. I think, um, I think they're going to have instant chemistry. Uh, maybe it'll take like five to 10 games. So I guess it wouldn't be super instant chemistry, but it won't take them long to get acquainted with each other. And, um, I definitely think they could be an underrated one, two scoring punch, uh, across the NHL. 
Um, Lucas Reichel centering the second line. Uh, yeah, Bedard on the first and Lucas on the second. Yep. Like, uh, that would be pretty killer if, it, if you could make that work. Right. Um, but then you look at their um, bottom six. Uh, line three currently has Cole Gutman. I'm sorry, Cole, never heard of you. Um, centering Ryan Donato, who I have heard of on the left side, and Taylor Radish, another guy I've heard of on the right side. And then you have Jason Dickinson, uh, Canuck for a hot minute, uh, centering uh, left winger Nick Felino and right winger Corey Perry. That is a pretty good fourth line, not going to lie. Uh, definitely on the wings, at least. But um, that third line leaves a lot to be desired. You also have um, a banged up Tyler Johnson, um, who could um, offer up uh, some form of scoring. Uh, Kevin Korchinski is another guy out of training camp that maybe possibly could make uh the roster uh he is 19 years old though and uh, still has room to grow so they don't necessarily have to rush him into the nhl but man just looking at some of their d pairings uh Kurchinski and seth jones is the top pairing then you have alex vlasic not mark edward alex vlasic and connor murphy as the second pair and then Jared Genorti and Nikita frickin' Zaitsev as the third pairing. Hmm. Ay, ay, And then Arvid Soderblom backing up Peter Morazic. Um, it's definitely going to be an interesting season, um, but I think the sign of many things to come, a sign that the Blackhawks are going to turn the corner uh, faster than people expect, uh, but not fast enough where they're a threat to do much of anything this year. Connor Bedard, though, um, how many points, how many goals he's going to get, I have no idea. But if that guy is on the board when I have my first chance uh, to pick my fantasy team, and I'll probably be like 20 picks into the draft because my team was pretty good last year. Um, I don't care if the Hawks suck. I'm taking Connor Bedard in a heartbeat. That's how good I think he can be this year. Yeah, I mean, well, you're in a keeper league, so I doubt he's going to be... T- <laughs> I, I, I would imagine he'll be one of the <laughs> He'll probably picks. be gone in the first seven picks, yeah, yeah, minimum. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so yeah, I, I imagine you won't be able to get him. But, um, but yeah, we'll... A guy, we'll a guy can dream, okay? Strange, strange things can happen. It's hockey, man. You know, so, I do wonder, I hate to, like, throw a wet blanket on this whole thing, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but... What? Because yeah. you, you, you. I guess clearly you're very high on Connor Bedard. Um, what are the chances that Bedard is not as good as we think he is? Um. What are the chances he's not as good as we think he is? I feel pretty confident saying twenty percent. Okay. And I think it's a strong. I, I think it's a strong eighty percent that he's even close to as good as advertised. Okay. I don't think he'll be on the same level as Sidney Crosby, uh, maybe slightly below Connor McDavid, but I mean that's I, I, can, easily, but yeah. I can easily <laughs> see this guy averaging 100 points a year. Okay, well that's pretty good. for multiple stretches. So that's like McDavid, basically. Although I guess yeah, McDavid but does. McDavid goes beyond that. Points, like, yeah. he's beyond ridiculous. That's true, yeah. So, like, he he, he'd, be a, he'd be a consistent 100, 105. You can bank on that kind okay. of player. I see. Which, again, is still pretty good. Like, yeah. like think about the guys that could do that. That's, like, what, Mitch Marner? Right, right, right. Well, no, I mean, like, that's 
yeah, there's uh, it's still pretty good though. <laughs> like it's my point. Yeah, <laughs> like, very good. Like it's like a that's like an Austin Matthews type of player or Jack Hughes. I was thinking, but yeah, yeah, still still superstar yeah, level yeah. and definitely a game changer for a franchise. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it would take a it, it would take any player a lot to get on McDavid's level. I don't think I think Bedard has this deceptiveness. I don't think he has. The McDavid-esque speed that gets him yeah. into those prime real estate scoring chances and that unpredictability. He has that unpredictability. It's just not as fast as McDavid. And I think the speed part of McDavid's game is what makes him so tough to read and react to yep. as a goalie. Fair, fair. All right. Um, we now move on to the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, so we get from uh, bad to pretty good. Um, yeah, cellar dwellers to champions. Yep, although they were uh, once removed. Um, yeah, once removed, still recent champions. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they added Ross Colton, uh, Ryan Johansson, uh, Thomas Tatar, Miles Wood, Jonathan Druin, uh, Jack Johnson, Riley Tufty, Chris Wagner, and oh, I didn't realize they got Jack Akon. Um, of Boston Bruins fame. Um, and then on the way out, you have New Hook, Alex Galchenyuk, Eric Johnson, JT Comfer, Evan Rodriguez, um, Helm? Um, is that... I don't know who Helm is. Um, Lars... Oh, Darren Darren Helm, former Red Wing. He was, he's still in the league? <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, he was, but uh, not anymore, he retired, so... I thought he's like... But, I thought that something. might have been it, but then I was like, that can't be Darren Helm. Just like Darren yeah, Helm's Yeah, it's Darren Helm. He played for the Avs, believe it or not. What the hell? Uh, Lars Eller, Dennis Malgin, Matt Nieto. Um, I imagine Nieto's back on the Sharks or whatever. Um, Keith Kincaid and Jonas Johansson. Looks like Johansson might get some more time because he's, uh, Tampa Bay. He's in Tampa Bay. Um, and also, I get. I feel like we should also mention that uh, Gabriel Landeskog. Um, technically, he's not going because he's still a part of the team, but he's on LTIR. Um, it sounds like, and he missed all of last season as well. It sounds like he's also gonna take the, uh, this season off as well. Um, so, um, so that's the other thing to think about as well. That um, yeah, their captain is out for long term I guess there is a chance that he comes back but um, it seems unlikely um, yeah I, I wouldn't even risk it if I was the yeah, team yeah. Just, just keep him out there plus it's just then you would put yourself you, you would put yourself in, in, in cap hell if you did that True. and you need to you can't just throw him into the playoffs like you need to get him into some game action True, before sure. that and again, you would have to be cap compliant, so you'd be forced to make some risky moves. And yeah. uh, obviously, not having Gabriel Landeskog in his cap it impacts what you uh, would be able to do heading into the trade deadline. Whereas if you add a seven million dollar cap it or whatever that number is, it's in the seven to eight million dollar range. Yep. Um, again, you would be put in a pretty tough spot, and you'd have to put someone really good on waivers. And if they're good enough, they're going to get claimed, and you'll never see them again. Right. 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 Um, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Um, also, uh, I, cause I'm looking at the injured, the injured reserves that they have here too. Um, mm -hmm. they have, a well, they have Chris Wagner on here as well, which is funny cause they just got him. 
But um, Pavel <laughs> Pavel Frankus is also on IR. There was um, yeah. there was reports a couple weeks ago that the Avalanche are looking for a backup goaltender um, because they feel like Frankus is going to be out for a long term as well. So that's the other. I guarantee point. you, when Toronto either uh, I don't know if Joe's full has to go through waivers, but if Martin, oh, Martin Jones, Jones is placed yeah. on waivers. Tampa, Colorado, any team in need of goalie depth is yep. going to submit a claim to him. Yeah, which is funny because it's like Martin Jones, if, if you're stupid, <laughs> like, you have to be very desperate to get Martin Jones. Not to mention the fact that Toronto signed him this free this free agency. I guess they didn't expect that Joseph Wall was going to be take that next step, but um, but it is kind of funny. Um yeah, I mean, he, he, he showed last year he can still pick up wins true, and put true. in a good system. No, but I know. if you're Tampa, Colorado, oh, yeah, yeah, as long course. as he exists to stop pucks and he can do that at a yeah. modest rate and he gets wins, that's good enough. That's you don't true. need him to be a world beater. You just need him to stop pucks fair, and fair. give you a chance. Fair, fair. Um, but, yeah, no, yeah, that's a good point. Although it, I, sh- I am kind of curious to see because they have Ju- Justice Anunin. Um, who was kind of like a proclaimed good uh, goalie prospect. And of course, you never know with goalie prospects. Um, but, um, but I mean, and he only played in two games last year uh, and had a 3.59 GAA and a save percentage of 8.54. So I know it's like a low sample size and all that, and you never know with um, goalies and all that. But, um, you know, he, he, he was kind of like you did have some um, – Credibility as a as a prospect, so um, he might be decent, and maybe that's who they stick with as well. Um, we'll see, though. Um, mm-hmm. If they don't want to stoop that low to get Martin Jones, um, but uh, but yeah, in any case, um, yeah, this is a it, of course it's an interesting team, and, and like speaking like we mentioned all these injuries, it's a, it's it is interesting because I feel like last year that was kind of what slowed them down. Last year was. Uh, Kale McCarr was injured for most of the year. Um, Nathan McKinnon missed some time. Um, you know, and then, of course, Landis Cog, as we just mentioned, he missed the entire year, and they didn't have him, and they didn't really address... They lost uh, Nassim Kadri. They didn't really address that. Uh, they did go out and get Ryan Johansson, and we'll see how he does. Mm-hmm. But even still, like, Ryan Johansson had 28 points in 55 games last year. Um, so, like... Who knows how good he can actually be, um, and then um, and then yeah, a thing that I'm kind of like looking forward to seeing is Jonathan Drouin, um, because like you know we were talking about this when we were talking about the Oilers, how like Connor Brown and McDavid were on the same CHL team, uh, Drouin and McKinnon were famously on the same QMA QMJHL team. Um, and, um, yeah, so now they're on the same team. Um, and Druen, like a lot of the players on this, uh, on this roster, um, he had 20, he missed, uh, a, a a, like roughly like 20 games or 30 games, um, where he had, but he had 29 points in 58 games. That's not bad. But of course he wasn't playing with, uh, Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen type, like those weren't his line mates. Um level players in Montreal so like he might be a decent if you're in a fantasy league he might be a decent pickup because uh presumably he's going to be on a top line and be that um 
Landeskog replacement. Um, but um, but of course we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, and um, yeah, I'm I'm just I don't know. I feel like the Avalanche is like if if they're healthy, I think they'll they're definitely a playoff team. Um, I mean, I guess even if they're all these injuries, um, they're they're still a playoff team. But because um, that's how good McKinnon and McCarr are. But at the same time, it's like I feel like it feels like Colorado deals with injuries every year. Um, so yeah. so that's just something that you have to like consider when you talk about the Avalanche. It's like, oh right, they're they get injured all the time. I don't know. Maybe well, the injury bug yeah. caught up to kill McCarr last year too because yeah, uh, right. he missed a little bit of time. He only yeah, played sixty I, games last year, actually. I thought I mentioned that, but yes, yeah, kill McCarr is and that that was another reason why they weren't as good last year as they were in yeah. previous years. Still over a point per game in that oh, yeah. stretch. Oh no, he's gone. incredible. Yeah, of course, but yeah. Yeah, and also Bowen Byram, uh, yep. you probably mentioned him, but 24 points in 42 games, yep. like, you put that over a full 82. Yep. That's that's the other thing is, like, they're kind of waiting for Bowen Byram to be that healthy guy that plays 70 to 80 games and can put up, you know, that 40 to 45-point stretch. The X factor that turned out to be for uh, last year's Colorado Avalanche was Devon Taves. Because he put up 50 and 80 and was, like, around a point a game in the playoffs uh, before Seattle kicked him out. And uh, in a contract year, no less, he's definitely a guy that I'm going to be looking at long and hard in, in terms of what he could fetch on the open market and how valuable it is to this team. Also, Josh Manson only playing 27 games, being a shutdown presence. He also got 10 points in that span. Um, I, I definitely think his presence was also missed, uh, kind of that grit, that sandpaper uh, that a lot of those teams uh, are looking for, desperately need of. Um, so I'm, I'm curious uh, where Josh Manson fits in this equation and uh, maybe he can elevate his offensive game uh, just a little bit uh, before uh, his prime years dip off. He's currently 31. Um, but in terms of uh, the bottom six, I'm really interested to see uh, what they can get out of that um, because uh, in the sense of Jonathan Druin, he could be like a Valerie Nachushkin where uh, in the right situation, he finds his groove again. Um, but on the third line, you have Miles Wood who um, hasn't really put up the ice time or the numbers. Uh, Ross Colton, who has definitely been a clutch performer, but only averaged 12, 21 per game in all situations. And then you have Thomas Tatar who had uh, 20 goals with the devils, but um, maybe isn't like the top six forward of yesteryear that we've known him as. Then you have uh, Frederick Olofsson uh, down the middle centering Andrew Cogliano on the left wing and right winger Logan O'Connor. Uh, I mean, that's a decent fourth line, but I don't know if it's uh, a fourth line that can really put them over the top, especially in a long playoff run. And then, of course, Alec Yorgiev. I mean, what more can you say about his season last year? 40 wins, 918 save percentage at only $3.4 million. That's hell of a good value. And uh, if I had to look at young players making an impact, Ben Myers, only 39 games played, uh, only got four goals and uh, zero assists in that span, but he only averaged 935 per game this year. I'm curious with uh, all of these uh, gaps in the lineup uh, due to um, – people leaving uh, to go get their money elsewhere 
Um, I wonder what kind of role Ben Myers could have uh, consistently um, on an NHL lineup and what kind of damage he could do as well. And um, given all of those key injuries, as you mentioned, a guy that plays the same positions as Landeskog, left wing and center, um, he could probably play a bigger role on this team uh, that we probably realize when you consider that Martin Cout is no longer in the picture. Uh, John Luke Foudy only played in nine NHL games last year and won pointless. And uh, beyond that, uh, it's pretty tough to kind of gauge uh, what they have in the farm system at the NHL level. Uh, like they have Joel Kibi Ranta on a professional tryout. They have Peter Holland on a professional tryout. And we haven't seen his face in the league in like six, seven, eight years. So um, I think young guys like Ben Myers, this is the perfect opportunity for them to make a statement too. Yeah, no, that's a good point too. Um, yeah, we'll see. I feel like the, the I'm I'm most curious about to see if Ryan Johansson can actually be that Nazem Kadri replacement that they've been looking for because uh, they didn't mm-hmm. really address that last year. I guess they had assumed that Alex Newhook would be a guy. Evan Rodriguez sort of filled that role as well, so so maybe there is an aspect of that. But um, yeah, I'll be. I, I guess I'm just curious just to see if if um, if he'll be like, because I feel like that was the X factor on that Stanley Cup team was the fact that yes, you have to deal with McKinnon, you have to deal with McCarr, you have to deal with Rantanen and Landeskog when he was healthy. But then if you add the component of like Nassim Kadri, then you're on like oh, you're like a legendary team that you're working with. And now it's like, okay, Ryan, how how much worse? Like, I, I, I don't think Johansson is as good as Kadri is, but I am curious just to see how, like, if, if you can even get, like, even, like, somewhat of a decent level uh, to what Kadri is capable of. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Kadri had a down year <laughs> in Calgary as well, so it's like um, it, it kind of defeats my whole point. But um, at the same time, it, it could it could work out. We'll see. Um, all right, now we go to the Dallas Stars. Um, they uh, so they added, like they kind of made not as many moves, but they um, they still were you know pretty decent actually. Uh, so they, the big ad was Matt Duchesne, Sam Steele they have, and Craig Smith as well, Derek Pouliot, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. Um, and then in terms on, on the way out, you have, um, Colin Miller, um, Max Domi, uh, Luke Glendening, um, yep, and, uh, Joel Kiviranta, who had, like, that incredible, like, four goals in the, pl- the bubble playoffs. Um, yeah. And uh, Will Butcher as well. Um, yeah. Um, and then in terms of... Um, oh, I also see here Gavin Bayreuther is also an addition for the Dallas Stars. Um, but yeah, the, this is... Um, you know, it's an interesting lineup. I, I feel like, you know, well, like the, the Stars didn't make a ton of moves, but... At the same time, they didn't really have to, um, so so I can totally understand what they're doing. Um, like, yeah, I, I guess they, you know, because, like, when you look at their lineup, you're like, there's not, like, you know, um, 
Like, yeah, maybe Tyler Sagan should have more than 50 points in 76 games. But at the same time, that's not bad. Like, you'll take that. Um, of course, he's not as good as he once was, but, like, that's still pretty good. Matt Duchesne is kind of a similar thing. Um, 56 points in 71 games. Like, yeah, that's not as good as he once was, but still not bad. Um, and he's going to be in the same division as Nashville and Colorado, his two former teams. Um, so, you like, there'll be revenge games there, I assume. Um, and then... Um, and then you have, um, what's interesting here is that I guess they moved Wyatt Johnson as the second line center, um, instead of, uh, Matt Duchesne or Tyler Sagan, I guess. But, uh, so that, that'll be interesting to see if he, that can stick. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I guess it's like a lot of this, this, uh, roster will be, um, it's impinging on like. Okay, so Jamie Benn had 78 points in 82 games. Uh, Joe Pavelski had 77 points in 82 games. Um, I just mentioned Tyler Sagan and Matt Duchesne, but uh, Joel Pavelski is 39 years old. Um, will that keep up? I'm not sure. Uh, Jamie Benn is 34 uh, with the style of play that he plays. It's like an incredible feat that he was able to get 78 points in 82 games. That's been a bounce back. Can he, that continue? I don't know. Um, Tyler Sagan um, is 31 years old. Like, still, like, not young, but not old, um, really. But um, he's getting there in age. But, yeah, 50 points there. Matt Duchesne with 56 points in 71 games. That's He's 32 years old. So they're, they're kind of getting there in age. And, sure, they have J-Rob. Um, with an incredible 109 points in 82 games, but and he's 24 years old, which is phenomenal. Um, and it, like he has the best contract in the league right now. Um, but uh, and then you have Rupe Hints, who has who's 26 years old. Um, and like of course you have Jake Oninger, who is 24. Miro Heiskanen, who's 24. So yeah, this is a pretty good team. I guess the the thing is is that you have to consider is like okay, when will Joe Pavelski trail off? And, and like, I imagine he's not going to get 77 points again. But if he's on the same line as Hintz and Robertson, they have pretty good chemistry. Arguably one of the best lines in the league. Um, will that be enough for that? Like, can he just will them into a good lineup there? I don't know. Um, so... Yeah, a lot, like, they still have a pretty good team. Um, oh, and I didn't even mention Wyatt Johnson is 20 years old, uh, 41 points in 82 games with, like, 15 minutes of ice time. So that, that's pretty good, too. It's just, it's like an, a mixture of, like, a lot of very, very, very good young guys, but, like, a lot, like, they're kind of old as well. Um, so it's, it's just an interesting mixture of players here. Um I still think that they are, having said all that, like, I'm trying, I feel like I'm just trying to find something to, to be negative about, but, um, they're, they're probably, like, they're a very good team, and they, they might be, I haven't decided yet, but, spoiler alert, they might be, um, they're a playoff team at the least, <laughs> I'll say that, um, I, they might be a, a Stanley Cup team for me, we'll see.
See, the thing is, I feel like they relied a lot on Jake Ettinger and his clutch abilities because um, they lost a, a lot of one-goal games in the extra session, and uh, they won a lot of narrow games as well. And Jake Ettinger and a good chunk of them was the reason why they won those games. And he himself played out of his goddamn mind. And uh, I was looking at him in throughout the playoffs – uh, a bit during the Minnesota series, especially during the series against Seattle. And uh, I guess a little bit in Vegas, um, it started to surface again. But he didn't look as dominant. He looked average. Yeah. And he looked, at times, exposable. And uh, as a goaltender, that's not a terrific sign, especially if you're a goaltender, that can be the X factor in how far a team goes. Um, and granted, Jake Enger, uh, we're talking about uh, the young stars. The future looks fine for the stars yeah, because yeah. they have Miro in, who hasn't really entered his prime yet. Same thing with Jake Ottinger. You have guys like Wyatt Johnson, but you also have guys like Logan Stankoven, we haven't uh, really seen uh, in the picture yet for the Dallas Stars because yep. uh, they haven't really made their mark uh, in even the AHL, I would argue. Um, they also have Maverick Bork in the system, Antonio Strangis, who was just sent down, Francesco Arcuri, who has uh, put up some good OHL numbers, Christian Cairo on the blue line is uh, this defensive prospect, and you also have Thomas Harley in the mix there, and... Uh, Matt Murray, maybe he carves out um, an NHL future, not the older Matt Murray, uh, the younger Matt Murray, who uh, played in the NCAA, not the OHL. But, uh, yeah, both are goalies, and both uh, have the same first and last name. So I just wanted to make a clear clear identification there. The other one I wanted to mention is the Deborah curse, uh, because uh, I believe it's real. the first year of the DeBoer streak is always, always a fun time. But then the second time around, um, some cracks start to form in his armor. And then once those cracks turn into full-blown crumble, um, things crumble fast. And um, I don't think it's gotten even close to that point in Dallas but again, those unknowns of the big Jamie Ben regression and that big Jamie Ben regression, I would argue, prior to his bounce back, was very much there. And then Joe Pavelski, um, you know, there was a little bit of minor regression before the 2020 playoff bubble when uh, his career went back on track and he continued to be Joe Pavelski as we know him. Yep. Um, eventually, he's going to regress hard and uh, the hockey that you've seen from him in in previous years that's gone and it's not coming back um you also look at mason marchman who kind of underperformed in his first year at the team after lighting it up with the florida panthers as a depth guy uh and then you're also looking at guys that they brought in like craig smith who was a fourth line guy uh granted he still put up 16 points that's not terrible um tyler sagan who you're paying nearly 10 million uh, is on the third line, which is not ideal. Uh, 50 points in 76 games is all right, but not for a guy that you're near paying nearly $10 million for. And then you have Matt Duchesne, who is being paid a bit less than that, bought out by Nashville because of his regression. 56 points in 71 games might seem good, but 
for Matt Duchesne, definitely compared to previous years, uh, there's still a lot that's left to be desired, and he's slated as the third-line center. So, yeah, they definitely have depth on all four lines, and they have good quality NHL experience out of those four lines. At the same time, though, you've got a lot of veterans that you're you're hinging on to have good years in order to be this juggernaut in the Western Conference that can challenge the Colorado Avs. And the fact of the matter is that's going to be an impossible task because even though Colorado is banged up, they've still got premier all-star talent that can take them farther than it can take a lot of teams. And they have the defense and the goaltending just like Dallas does. In fact, I would say their defense is better than Dallas as a whole. So with that being said, um, I love Jason Robertson. I love Rupe Hints, but I kind of feel that while this might be a playoff team on the surface, um, I definitely think there are going to be a lot of times where we doubt the legitimacy of the Dallas Stars, yep. and uh, that aura is going to stay with them going into the playoffs, and they'll have to prove themselves. Yeah, I guess on the, the Jake Ellinger stuff, I think like that that more had to do with just how they used him because they just played him every game and um, yeah and uh that's also part of the problem they need to stop that (laughs) exactly so they but like they need to like rely on a a, on a backup goaltender so yeah maybe they that maybe they go out and get martin jones um but if they uh, have the cap space yeah 100 percent. like he would be a solid one beat on for sure um but um yeah, so maybe maybe that's the case, which is kind of funny too, because I remember a few years ago, and we had talked about this ad nauseum, but just as a reminder for anyone who forgot, um, like a few years ago, the the stars had uh, Braden Holpe, Anton Kudobin, uh, they had another goalie as well, um, and then Ben Bishop, Ben Bishop, yeah, and then uh, Jay Gottinger, and then Bishop got injured and had was forced to retire. Uh, same with Kudobin. Um, and then, um, and then it was just between Holtby and Jake Ottinger, and then Ottinger just outplayed Holtby, and then eventually Holtby retired. Um, so now, so it's just funny that they had like a plethora of goalies at one point, and then and now they only have one. Um, I so. think I've also mentioned on the podcast that um, those four goalies. Uh, were on uh, the fancy hockey cheat sheet list for one of my draft years. Yep, yep. And the only guy out of those four names that wasn't listed was Jake Ottinger. Yep. And I made an off-the-board pick, and I took Ottinger. And uh, now he's uh, one of my – and now he's one of my keepers. So yep. the rest is history. Yep, yep. Um, so I didn't even spell out his name to the commissioner because he had never heard of him. That's funny. Um. Uh, well, I mean, to to be fair, because I was at the point when he hadn't even played a game in the NHL, so yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but that, this 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 is where yeah. if you're really into the know, if you're you're yeah. in the know, and you're not just a casual hockey fan, right, right. you'll you'll find out about these guys, yeah. and uh, you'll it, it you'll it'll be a fun story to tell somebody who's like, hey. Back in that day, I knew this guy before he was something, right, right. or it's almost this like factoid, yeah. You know? It's almost like me with Lucas Reichel. Like I had been calling Lucas Reichel like from from the beginning, even before they got Bedard. Um, yeah. Um, so that that's true. Um, 
Although, of course, like, I, I feel like I can't be eating my cake right now, um, necessarily. I'm, I'm getting it ready, um, we'll say that. I, I will say also, regards to Dallas defense, yeah. um, they do have um, some pretty uh, under-the-radar names. Esselin Dell, oh, yeah. uh, I know people know him, and Yanni Hockenpah, you might have also known mm. about him. But I mentioned this stat on the podcast with Jake Sanderson, how there are only two defensemen with uh, higher shorthanded minutes totals yep. than Jake Sanderson last year, and it was those two. It was Lindell and Hockenpah. Uh-huh. Um, and they might not be top-pairing defensemen, but they play their roles to a T, mm. and they're part of the reason why Dallas's defense and team overall mm-hmm. was so good last year is because they're holding down the fort yep. and taking the pressure off of Miro Heiskanen, even though Miro averaged 25-29 per night, and uh, Hockenpah only averaged 19-19, and Lundell only averaged 19-55. Mm-hmm. But when they were on the ice, they made impacts. Uh, Lindell was a plus 29, Hockenpah was a plus 18. Uh, they hit, they blocked shots, they did every little thing to make everyone else's job easier. And they're impact players uh, in different ways that can impact the game. And they're definitely uh, two of the more underrated defensemen at the game for what they do. Yeah, yeah. that's a good call. Um, all right, we now move on to the Minnesota Wild. Um, they're, they're another team that didn't do a lot um, in this offseason. Uh, I... Yeah, well, they, the funny thing is they made two controversial extensions this yep. past week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, right. caught both of our attention. That's right. Um, but um, but uh, in terms of, like, free agents that they signed, they didn't really do much. Um, yeah, they were pretty quiet on that front. Yeah, it's pretty much just Pat Maroon. Um, <laughs> and uh, and you, you have your Jewish R. Kiara. Um, Jewish R. Kiara, yeah. Kyra, um, I'm butchering his name. This is the second time this episode I butchered his name. <laughs> um, I apologize. Uh, yeah, but, and that's pretty much it. It's just those two guys. Yeah, yeah, just those two guys. Um, and then on the way out, I'll, I'll get into like who they signed in a little bit. But um, on the way out was Matt Dumba, um, uh, John Klingberg, uh, Ryan Reeves, uh, Sam Steele, uh, Gustav Nyquist, and Oscar Sundquist. Um, and yeah, they might like miss Matt Dumba here and there, but at the same time, they have Jared Spurgeon, they have Jonas Brodine, um, Brock Faber might be in the mix now. Kaylin Addison yeah. will like, he kind of, Kaylin Addison had a little bit of a disappointing season last year, but you know, I don't know, you might be okay. Uh, so, Carson Lambos down the road yeah, could Lambos be another valuable defenseman too. Yeah. They also have like Jake Middleton and John Merrill, who don't do much on the offensive side of things, but they're decent shutdown guys. Um, and Golgowski, I didn't even realize he's still in the league, but uh, they have him <laughs> as well. Um, so, so they, like, like yeah, they'll probably miss Matt Dumba and John Klingberg, maybe, but at the same time, it's not as big of a deal. Um, but yeah, in terms of the re-signings here, um, the, the, there are two signings that they made, um, this past week, um, both on the same day. Uh, so they signed, uh, Matt Zuccarello, uh, for, uh, two year deal, 4.125 million per year. Um, and, um, Marcus Foligno, which is the, the one that's kind of like, huh? Uh, four years, 4 million each year 
Um, in terms of their cap situation, like, look, the, the Minnesota Wild have the weirdest cap situation just because when you look at their dead cap, you see, like, oh, right, they're buying, they're still buying out Zach Parise and Ryan Suter, $7 million each um, every year for the next, like, 10 years, basically. Um, so it's it's always kind of crazy, which makes this move these moves kind of a little bit crazy too. Um, so I guess it's like the, the Zuccarello one can is kind of defensible because he did have sixty seven points in seventy eight games um, last year. The only thing that makes it a little bit strange is the fact that he's uh, he's thirty six years old. Um, and so, like, who knows how good he's going to be at the end of that. It's kind of like Joe Pavelski, as we were just talking about. So it's like, that's kind yeah. of... E- even yeah. if he gets top six minutes with Caprice yeah. in all situations, and, like, yeah. if your numbers regress and you yeah. regress just as a player, also, uh, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter who you're paired up with. Also, he's making $6 million this year, so it's like it's like a yeah, increase in Yeah, it's two. a discount. Yeah. Uh, I should also mention, both of those years have a no-move clause attached, and yeah. Marcus Foligno, yeah. the first two years are a no-move, and then it turns into a 15-team no-trade for the yeah. final two, so you can trade him to just over half the league if you're yeah. tired of him by then. So the thing with... Yeah. And that contract doesn't even kick in until next year, same right, with the Zuccarello right. one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then even so, so, like, like the Zuccarello one is defensible, um, and it, like it's a little strange, but it's just like, all right, whatever. It's like it makes some sense, but for Felino, currently on the depth charts, um, he's a third line right winger, um, and last year I know points aren't everything, but and he, and he is decent like a, in a two way game, but even still. 21 points in 65 games on the third line. He's 32 years old. We kind of like, you know, I think I was talking about this a few weeks ago. It's like we kind of know what these players are once they reach a certain age. We know what Marcus Foligno is. And like $4 million, especially for this team where it's like you're already paying two guys who aren't even on the team anymore in Parise and Suter. So like you have to like make all your contract um, you know, stuff, like, make sure that's on point. And so, when you do that, it's, like, four million, like, it's just crazy for, like, four million, that's, like, it's not, like, a lot of money in this circumstance, but it is a lot of money uh, to give to a third liner who uh, doesn't really score that much. Um, it should also be noted that he, he, uh, the bulk of those buyouts yep. happen this year and next year. It's uh, 14 point something million combined yep. this year and next, which is bad. I mean, very bad. On the other hand, it's like, you know, uh, in terms of like the contracts, it's like, so they already signed Matthew Boldy for a long, long term contract. Yeah, so that the, kicks in this year too. Yeah, that kicks in this year, but and then Kirill Kaprizov, he's due for an extension, but he's making nine million for three more years, um, and then um, they have Jared Spurgeon for four more years at seven point five million, um, but and and those so and then when they and then I guess Philip Gustafson has three more years at three point seven five, and if he's as good as he was in the last half of um, 
last season, then he's due for a raise as well. And then you, I guess you have Jesper Wallstead in the mix as well. Um, mm-hmm. But that's you know that's far into the future if he is as good as we think he is. Um, so like, but that's where it kind of matters because it's like okay, sure, yeah, you have Matthew Boldy locked up for long term. You have Joel Eriksson locked up for long term. But but then it's like when it comes time to uh, give a raise to Kirill Kaprizov, mm-hmm. a lot of that money is going to um, is like it's like oh so you're gonna give like you're still paying Marcus Foligno four million. I guess I'm seeing here that like Matt Zuccarello that's when Matt Zuccarello's contract ends. So maybe they give like four more four mil all the four million that they have to Kaprizov. Maybe that's how they do it. But like, um, it's still like you know you're still paying a lot for like you have to worry about like the coming seasons, um, and and that's where it will really hurt hurt you. And Ryan Hartman is a UFA next year. Um, well, oh, wow. there's He's also the unstars like Marco Rossi. Marco if Rossi's they evolve in into yep. you know the p- dominant players you yep. think they can be, they're gonna want their bag as yep. well. Uh, Kalen Addison down the road, yep. you know, like I said about Carson Lambos, maybe right. he's another guy. So all of a sudden, that cap space uh, once the worst of the pre mm-hmm. and sewer buyouts, you're gonna have to pay Caprice off, and then he got Hartman yep. on the way, and all these guys, and it just adds up. Yep. And it never really feels like you're getting ahead of the game. You're always behind the eight ball. You're always playing catch up. Yep. And you have to come up with these creative cap situations if you're Bill Guerin to field a competitive roster, but also be cap compliant. It's right. it's a really tough pickle that he's in right. And now. It, what what's crazy? What's the most crazy thing, or it's like it's just you have to applaud Bill Guerin too, because it's like yeah, he's, he's doing he, his best. Yeah, he's doing his best, but like it's more so. I guess okay. I've seen here that they they're paying Zach Parise seven point three million for two more years, and then it turns into like eight point eight. 33k to deal with yeah so it's it's manageable for the final back of it and, but and this same, year next year is where it gets it's same for suitor yeah. yeah exactly okay so, so combined actually, it's 14 point something yeah. okay so i kind of take it back so maybe they do so once it turns into like the 2025 2026 season then it's not as bad because then it, they're not dealing with like 7 million with players that they're dealing with like they still have to pay 1.6 million to those two um you know in half or to each but um but it's not as bad as 14 million combined um so and also the cap's going to be going up and the cap's going to go up too so maybe it's not as bad as we're making it out to be but it's still like not great to pay 4 million for, for to a bottom six player um but at the same time the best time to really capitalize on Kaprizov's value like are you gonna wait like four years down the road to like really go for it because at that point you know he's gonna be pushing 30 years old and then at that point the clock really starts to tick before you run out of real estate on Mm. the best that you can get for this group and again you'll have to be still be cap compliant so how much can you keep how much can you add on all of that's gonna be important and then you assume that Philip Gustafson is the goalie of the future, but maybe he's not. Okay, well, what do you do there? Yes, yep. for Wallstead, uh, there's no guarantees it's him either. True. Um, so a lot of this is based on theory of, yeah, this is what we think could happen, but 
I think in reality, we're totally clueless. We're we're flying yeah. by the seat of our pants, absolutely pitch blind. So. Yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I but, think they're going to be a good team this year, all yeah. things considered. But yeah. um, how far they're going to go, if they're even going to make it past the first round, that's a totally different conversation. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good Kaprizov is. Um, I will say... Um, so I wanted, like, I, I'm, I'm kind of biased here because I, I figured, like, in um, Omark deserves to win yeah. the Vezina. Um, he had an incredible year, of course. Uh, but I will say that if Philip Gustafsson played maybe, like, 20 more games, he probably would have won the Vezina. Uh, and mm. assuming he, he kept the statistics... He had a 931 save percentage and a 2.1 GAA in 39 games. Like, even still, like, yeah, I know 40 games or so is, is, like, not that. Like, you know, it's not like a full season or 60 games or whatever. But, like, that's, that's like, that's still, like, a half a season, basically. Yeah. And, and you compare that to what he yeah. did last year, uh, the year before with right. Ottawa, that's a hell of an improvement. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, he. Um, so if he can keep this up, it's like he low key might be one of the better goaltenders. Or so we're dealing with like a Vezina Calder player here. Um, so and we'll see. And then like, yeah, Mark Andre Fleury. We'll see. He's he's kind of a shell of his former self, but even still, like a two point eight five GAA and a save percentage of nine oh eight. That's not bad. But um, but yeah, no, I've I've kind of been on the. Philip Gustafson train now. Um, I think he he um, he has what it takes, but we'll see. Um, and like and if it, and if Gustafson's not the guy, uh, then yeah, we'll see what what Jesper Wallstead has. Um, although it looks like Wallstead didn't really do so well in the AHL, but of course you never know with goalies, so we'll see. Um, we now move on to Nashville. Um, they have, um, they were kind of busy here. Uh, they get Barry Trotz, um, into, as a GM here. Um, Luke Shen, um, is arriving. Ryan O'Reilly, which is probably the biggest one. Um, it's kind of funny that you led off with Luke Shen here. Um, Ryan O'Reilly, Denny Garyanoff, uh, Gustav Nyquist, and Troy Grozenik. Um, I didn't realize they got Garyanoff and Nyquist, so that's interesting for me. Um, in terms of people on the way out, uh, Ryan Johansson, who we just talked about in Colorado, Duchesne um, going in Dallas, um, so that's that's funny. Um, Cal Foot, um, Rasmus Asplund, and Zach Sanford, which I think you had also mentioned that Zach Sanford um, is arrived somewhere else. Um, oh yeah, yeah, Coyotes is he where he went. Coyotes. So there's going to be a lot of reunions. Um, in, in in all these divisional matchups um, now, but uh, but yeah, the the pre- I mean, we talked about the Predators back when we um, during like the our July first kind of thing because they were kind of mm-hmm. they kind of were a little bit interesting. Um, I seem to think that they're still like rebuilding because they they have interesting pieces. They have guys like Cody Glass, um, Yuso Parsonin, uh, Luke Evangelista. Um, and of course, uh, who are like all like kind of played really really well um, towards the end of the season, especially Evangelista who had 15 points in 24 games, um, and then mm-hmm. Parsonin had 25 points in 45 games. But 
Um, it's not like nothing to sneeze at, but I do remember like towards the later half, like he was uh, pretty good uh, towards the end of the of his time there, or like there were kind of some spurts where he was pretty good. Um, they also have Philip Tomasino in the system, um, mm-hmm. who has some pedigree going towards him. Uh, they have Joachim Kelmel, who I think is could be an underrated pick um, in the future, because I was very high on him in his draft year. Um, we'll see if he if he plays. And then we, we talked about Wallstead in the last team, but um, Askarov's the other goaltender that uh, could make some noise this year. Although at the same time, it's like UC Saros, like they don't necessarily, like UC Saros is more consistent than Gustafsson, we'll say that at the very least. Um, and he's pretty good too. Um, um, with a, he had a 919 save percentage and a 64 games games played. Um, yeah, I guess they went. Th- he went 33 and 23, so that's not bad either. Um, and Roman Yossi um, is also, I guess, deserves some uh, credit as well. 59 points in 67 games. Uh, probably one of the best defensemen, arguably the best defenseman in the league. Um, you could make a case for Kel McCarr or Eric Carlson, but he's up there, um, at the very least. And then I didn't even mention 42 points in 50 games for Philip Forsberg. Um, so yeah, this, this national team is kind of underrated in its own way. Um, I just, I feel like the moves that they made by, like, trading Ryan Johansson and trading, or in letting, buying out Matt Duchesne and allowing him to leave... Like, that just makes me feel like they weren't, they are, like, looking for a more, um, they're looking for a rebuild in a way, and it, but maybe it's, like, I guess it is a little strange that they sign Ryan O'Reilly, but I feel like Ryan O'Reilly just brings that vet presence, because if you have guys, like, if you expect Luke Evangelista, Cody Glass, Yusuf Parsonen, um, if you expect, um, uh, what's his face, like even Kemmel coming into the system, you're going to need guys like Ryan O'Reilly to, to show them the ropes of how what it's like to be an NHL player and, you know, get into those good habits. Um, so um, so I, I figure he'll be more of like a vet presence guy in the locker room. And same with Gustav yeah. Nyquist and same with... Um, even like Philip Forsberg has some <laughs> some experience in that too. Um, it's just um, I just feel like the moves that they made kind of leads me to believe that they're in a rebuilding phase. But maybe it's more like a soft rebuild um, because it seems like oh yeah, Evangelista looks like he's ready now. Uh, Parsonen it looks like he's ready now. Um, we'll see if Tomasino is ready now. There is kind of a little bit of like a kind of confusion because he played all of last season in the NHL. He wasn't as good as he was, um, as we, they expected him to be. So then he played the first half of the season in the AHL, and then he was, like, too good in the AHL. So they moved him up to the NHL in the second half of the year when they had kind of hadn't made the playoffs yet. So, oh, and I hadn't even mentioned Thomas Novak is another one. Um, so yeah. so they um, they have, like... You know, a lot of young guys here, but they're not like it's not like the the Blackhawks. It's not like the Coyotes. Like there's they're still like these are players that can actually play right now. 
Yeah, um, from the makers of Desaikis, we present the most interesting offseason in the world ever. <laughs> um, I, I tell you, I was fascinated by what Barry Trotz was doing. Like even even at the draft, uh, Nashville yep. was making some bold moves there. In Nashville, um, tried tried moving up to into the top ten to no avail, but they tried. Uh, they tried to make some things happen. Uh, there are reports that it might have involved Askarov going the other way. I don't necessarily believe those reports, but. Um, they, they were definitely eager to do something significant to move into the top 10. It's just that the fact that no one budged. And then you get, you know, commitment from guys like Ryan O'Reilly who are living in a situation like Toronto. Uh, if he wanted to win, he could have gone to a bunch of other places, uh, but he chose Nashville. And something appealed uh, to Nashville in particular, um, despite guys like Johansson and Duchesne leaving town. And... I think for the most part, um, Nashville is trying to retool their roster where they're just like, hey, we committed a bunch of money to these guys. It didn't really work out, but we feel like if we can get rid of those guys and then bring in these guys that we think are going to fit the system better, uh, then maybe things are going to happen for us uh, and we're going to be a more consistent playoff team again. And Prairie Trotz um, knows a thing or two about coaching in Nashville. And sometimes his uh, more with less philosophy, uh, where you're not looking for just like flashy playmakers, you're just looking for guys that get results and keep it simple. Uh, sometimes uh, that defense first mentality um, is what's going to generate the most results. And the fact of the matter is that this team leaned too heavily on UC Saros and they still made the playoffs or they still nearly made the playoffs. They missed by a point or two. Yep. But they nearly missed the playoffs just because UC Saros decided, I don't want to go home yet, and played out of his mind hockey for three straight weeks yeah, yeah. and almost got them there. Like, UC Saros alone, you can't waste his talent, especially when he's under contract yep. for you for the next two years. And I think uh, part of that is uh, because of how good Saros has been, and they feel like they can capitalize on that. It also buys Askarov a bit more time to become the goalie they hopefully think he can be. Um, so I think after those two years, it's going to be interesting to see where UC is at and also where Yaroslav is at, and they can make a decision from there. You mentioned Yo uh, Kennel being one of those young prospects that can make a statement. I'm interested to see what Reed Schaefer brings to the table oh, as yeah, well. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a guy that came over from Edmonton in the Tyson Berry trade. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, I think he could uh, low-key play uh, an important part on this roster in the very near future. And if he keeps his cool, Zach LaRue maybe, uh, oh, yeah. maybe factors into things as well. I think it's LaRue, isn't it? Um, LaRue, yeah. Uh, he, was, uh, he was suspended for some questionable stuff in the yeah. queue last year, so... Um, I hope hopefully all of that's sorted and um, once he gets into the NHL, uh, there won't be uh, anything yep. that's borderline distraction from the team. But yeah. Um, yeah, there there was one particular incident in Gatineau that generated a lot of media attention yeah, and yeah. put him in hot water. Yeah, it's funny when because we do these like dr the draft every year when we cover them. Um, and I've I was high on um, Zach LaRue, his draft year. I was high on Joachim Kemmel, his draft year. I was also high on Matthew Wood, his draft year. They're all Nashville yeah. play Predators players. It feels like I'm a scout for them, basically. Um, 
but uh it means it means uh it means all of you think outside the box yeah. and you're yeah. like hey you know we've picked outside the box before and it hasn't failed us yeah. so let's let's dip into the well again and see yeah. what we can come up with and sure. they just have a unique eye for talent and it may not be the best player yeah. available but it fits their system and they're able to get good results out of it yeah. so who cares uh they also have um I, well he's not i don't think he's ready this season but um in the future ryan ufko um who plays for umass he's a defenseman mm. Um, right. he's going to, uh, he's going to be pretty good too, but, um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's a few years out. Um, all right. We now move on to the St. Louis blues. Um, they added Kevin Hayes, um, which is funny cause I had forgotten about that and I drafted him in one of my leagues. Um, so I should have known. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so they, they, uh, they, uh, they added, uh, Kevin Hayes, um, they added um, Oscar Sunquist, who um, wasn't he? He was on the Blues at one point. I feel like um, he was, yes. But uh, he was in Detroit last year. That's right. That's right. Then he went somewhere else. Maybe it was Minnesota, and now he's back in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, that's that sounds familiar. Yep. Um, and then they added Malcolm Subban. Um, I didn't realize that. And Wyatt uh, Clinic. This is funny, like how I like read this out every time, because like I like it's like, oh, I didn't realize this player is here, even though it's like you read wrote it out for me here. So it's like, oh, it's just it's a fun little test for me too. It's like, oh, yeah, right. Craig Smith going to Dallas is yeah. a guy where it's just like, oh my god, that's yeah. where he's now. <laughs> yeah, or Sam Steele at Dallas. That's another one where it's like, yeah, oh, you know that. true. Yep. Yeah, I um, felt the same way about that too. Um, in terms of departures, um, Thomas Grice, uh, Tyler Pitlick, uh, Steven Santini, and Matthew Hymar. Um, I also have here on the Hockey News, they say Logan Brown, Josh Levo um, as well. So um, there's a few other ones there. Um, you're slipping here, Steve. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, it... Um, you have you also have a note here that Tory Krug was involved in trade discussions. He was he's injured now, but still with the Blues heading into the season. Yeah, uh, um, Kevin Hayes. Uh, there were reports yep. that uh, maybe he'd be going to Philly. Yep. That never materialized. But uh, the very fact that he was involved in those trade rumors yep. a few years after signing that monster yep. deal to 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 play with the Blues long term. Yep is kind of an indication that uh, similar to Barry Trotz and National Predators, they're yep. trying to retool their roster and get rid of some contracts that may not be yep. necessarily bad, but just don't fit their scheme anymore. Uh, and if Jordan Bennington has another crap year, he's probably going to be next. Because yeah, yeah. um, they cannot have another season of unserviceable goaltending. Jordan Bennington and Thomas Grice on paper might have looked like a capable tandem. didn't work out that way. And uh, you have Joel Hofer uh, in the mix, uh, along yeah. with, uh, I think, Colton Ellis as well. He's another young goalie prospect as well. Um, I do think when he is uh, slated to make his big league impact, Albert Dvorsky and Zach Dean could be key contributors on this uh, squad. There's also Jake Neighbors yeah. coming off his rookie campaign, uh, so he could be another guy yeah. to watch out for as well. 
Um, but I don't know if Kevin Hayes alone can kind of fix their oh. problems if he can be like a Ryan O'Reilly light type of player. Um, then you have obviously Subin yeah. being Jordan Bennington's backup. Yeah. And beyond that, what has really changed to improve their roster? They've yeah. they be they've been pretty much uh, stagnant outside of uh, the Kevin Hayes uh, trade, and they. Yeah didn't really have to give up much of anything to get him in the first place. I think it was only a six-round pick. Yeah. Uh, uh, so <laughs> all, all, all things considered, they're an all-right team, but they haven't really moved the needle as much as some of the other teams have. And I think in order for them to be a playoff team, uh, they kind of had to move the needle by at least getting a big piece. And uh, I think it's probably Doug Armstrong saying, um, uh, I like what I see for now. Next year is going to have a lot of talent up for grabs, and that's where I'm going to strike and make my move. Um, so you kind of just went off there on a whole tangent there. I, I was mostly mentioning Tory Krug because I found out that he's not a, he's not injured. It looks like he's he's back to full health now. But yeah, oh, nice. you just you just cool. went on this whole tangent of what you were <laughs> going to say, anyways. Um, but, I, I'm just turning into an old man that yells at the cloud. Well, no, it's just like uh, for the last couple teams, I, I I was basically saying my spiel, and then you say your spiel, and then I was just oh, like, so oh, I jumped the gun and spiel my bad. No, it's it's fine. It, I, I I don't want to be like that controlling of a. <laughs> hey, you want to do your spiel now? Yeah, <laughs> I I will do my spiel, but I um okay. I had I like it, it's fine. It's uh, I don't want to be a controlling co-host yeah. here. Um, I say I saved you for my spiel later, though. Fair, fair, yeah. That, that, I'm thankful for that too. Um, <laughs> but no, no, I, I was mostly just saying that, like, I found yeah, out that Tory. No, no, I get it. Um, yeah. I mostly just found out that Tory Krug. Um, yeah, he. Uh, it looks like he uh, was. Uh, it looks like he was injured, but then it looks like he's going to play um, tonight, even for a preseason game. So, um, so it looks like he's back and he's not injured. But yeah, there was, um, as you had alluded to, uh, there was like a trade request from uh, uh, that would like it was going to be a bigger deal where Kevin Hayes um, and like a, a couple of other guys were from the Flyers were going to go to the Blues. And there was four other players on the Blues were going to go back to Philly. But then last minute, Tory Krug. Um, nixed it because he has a no trade clause, um, and um, and I don't blame Tory Krug. Who wants to play for the Flyers and uh, Torts? Um, and um, even though the Blues may not end up making the playoffs, it's like you know uh, you're you're in a better you're in a better situation than the Flyers are. Uh, so so I don't blame Tory Krug for that at all. Um, but um, but yeah, he um, it's interesting though with with Tory Krug because he's been injured for like maybe one third of the season last year. And it seems like yeah. Justin Folk has kind of been the guy there um, instead. And he was like, Justin Folk has kind of been the guy that they thought Tory Krug would eventually be. And, you know, Justin Falk had 50 points last year in 82 games. So that's pretty good. But, um, but Tory Krug, even when he was healthy, he had 32 points in 63 games. So not as good, but yeah, still we'll half see. a point a game. I mean, yeah. in a full 82-game season, yeah, that's like 40 fair. to 45. But you've seen Tory Krug play, and we've seen yeah. offensively what he can do during yeah. his Boston days. Tory Krug's standards, that is kind of low. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I guess that's that's what I should say. It's like 
from what we expect Tori Krug to be, like, yeah, you're right. It's not that bad, but just compared to what we expected Tori Krug to be, it's like, okay, it's not as good as we expect him to be. Um, he also averaged 18.35 compared to yeah. Falk's 23.22, and yeah. he was also a minus 26, yeah. which I know is a very inflated stat. Justin Falk was only a minus four. Yeah. And over the course of the time that he played, as what's well. what's interesting and he, here? And he, and he played in 19 more games than Tory Krug did too. He yeah. played all 82. Yeah. What's interesting with the Blues and like I'm just looking at I don't know how Cap Friendly does these depth charts or something, but it's interesting how they have the first pair. They have Nick Letty and Colton Pareko, um, who both yeah. had like 20ish <laughs> points. Um, they, and they give you the stats and the time on ice, and I assume this is what you're looking at as well. Um, yep. But um, they have here that Nick Letty and Colton Pareko, who both had roughly 20 points um, in 70-ish games, um, but they have them in the first line, and then in the second line, you have Tori Krug and Justin Folk, where it's like, I feel like those two pairings should switch and whatnot. We'll, we'll yeah. see. Um yeah, and then, and then in terms of, like, the forward group, um, yeah, I, I think you're right, though. The interesting thing with Kevin Hayes is, like, well, they traded, they eventually got Kevin Hayes onto the team, um, and I, I, I guess that makes sense. But Kevin Hayes um, is, uh, <coughs> um, like, they, they traded him for, like, a sixth-round pick, which is kind of crazy because Kevin Hayes is worth more than that. What's even crazier here is, and I'm looking here on the, on this, um, on the step chart here. They have him as a third line center. I mean, I guess it makes sense because it's not like he's as good as Braden Shen is or Robert Thomas is. But if you're like, Kevin Hayes is like a decent player. Like he's not really like a third. I don't see him as a third line center. Um, but like maybe that's just added depth. So so maybe that's why they started to do that. Um, I'm also interested to see what goes on with Jacob Verano. I feel like he could be an X-factor for this St. Louis Blues team. Uh, he had 16 points in 25 games, um, but if you remember when he was in Detroit, um, he had, um, he kind of had like a little like bit of like, it was unclear of what went on, but like he had some like off ice issues. And it seemed like he had some like mental health things where he was dealing with some anxiety or something. Um, and he just couldn't get along with Detroit Red, the like the tr Detroit Red Wings staff or something like that. Um, so then he ended up um, they he just like if any team any player needs a um, a change of scenery, it's Jacob Verana. Um, and I didn't realize he had 16 points in 25 games. That's not bad. So um, so he could be a low key guy to to look out for um, in the future. And I, like. You know, maybe he'll supplant Brandon Saad on the on this top six line. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it could it could be something that could work out. Um, it's also interesting that they also got Casper Kapanen, who's another guy who kind of needed a change of scenery uh, from Pittsburgh. Um, so since that's kind of been their strategy when they get guys like Kevin Hayes, Jacob Verana, and Casper Kapanen, like guys who are kind of fed up with their situation on their old team and they're still pretty good you know Dude, on their old they, team. they should create a line with just all of like uh, the previous team rejects and just yeah. call it the second chance line yeah yeah maybe be and more like, appropriate yeah. if it was also the second line yeah yeah 
I mean, and, like, in a weird way, like, I think that's also how they ended up getting, like, I guess Tory Krug was a free agent signing, same with Justin Fulop, but in a way, they were, like, Tory Krug was, like, he was upset about Bruce, with Bruce Cassidy, um, mm-hmm. famously, so, um, so, and, like, he wanted to stay in Boston, but he couldn't, um, they couldn't make it work, so I guess it was a kind of another change of scenery type of thing, and same with, like, Justin Fulop, because he was... He was kind. Of, he kind of had like um, for Justin Falk, it felt like he was never actually like the guy, even though he was pretty good in Carolina. Um, so, so maybe that's like a, a theme here um, in St. Louis. But, but yeah, no, I totally uh, going back to what you said with your spiel. Um, yeah, I totally agree that I think the biggest thing that St. Louis needs, like the make or break part about the St. Louis Blues right now, is Jordan Pittington. Uh, cause he was, uh, he had a 3.31 GAA, a save percentage of 894. Um, he's been on a downward trajectory ever since he had won the Stanley Cup in 2019. Um, annoyingly for me. Um, but, um, but yeah, and then, you know, Joel Hoffer, who's their backup now, um, he, he didn't do that much better, although granted it was in six games, um, in St. Louis, but, uh, he had a point. 2-2 GAA and a save percentage of 9.05, um, but still a winning record, 3-1. and one. Um, So, um, so yeah, I guess that means that he started four games, but, um, and maybe it was just on, um, um, and, and filled in for Pennington when he was getting shelled or whatnot, but, yeah, it's, um, their goaltending situation is going to be pretty bad for them, I feel like. Um, and, uh, yeah, and uh, as you alluded to, it's like, I'm not necessarily sure what they do. Maybe they go out and get Martin Jones. Again, like, they're, they're, if you're desperate for goalies, maybe that's what you do. Uh, they do have, yeah, you mentioned Colton Ellis. They do have uh, Vadim Serenko, um, who also, I think I had heard of him before, at the very least. Mm-hmm. I forget why or how, but um, if I remember Hopefully not for any scandals. That would be bad. <laughs> What? Hopefully Wait. not for any scandals. That would be. Bad. Oh no no no! I don't think it was for any scandals, but I I do remember him. I think it was just because I was looking for goal prospect goalies at one point, and I was like, oh, this oh, okay. guy could be pretty good. Uh, but um, but I I haven't really kept because I didn't end up taking him. Um, and so I stopped following what he's been able to do. But um, but yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. I'm now looking here. He had a 9.13 save percentage in the AHL. Um, That's pretty good. But a 3.14 GAA. But he went 10.9 and 3. So, yeah, we'll see. Maybe I, I mean, when you have a save percentage like that, um, that's yep. more indicative than a GAA over three. I think it tells me just, again, like the John Gibson effect. Yeah. Despite the other team of despite your team not playing well in front of you and despite the goals against you're still stopping over 91 percent of your shots usually with a gaa over three that save percentage is like i don't know in like the low 880s or like the 890s of what was it a 913 you said was Uh, a 913 yeah that's that's pretty unreal, mind you. The games played probably but this are like was in, in like the t- twenty-five to thirty range, but still twenty-two I, games. That's, yeah, that's 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 still um, definitely something to build on. It's twenty-five it's, games it's played. Definitely worth keeping around. 
Yeah, 25 games played in the AHL, so yeah, that's not bad. Um, yeah. I, I have a... I have a rule, an unwritten rule, that if we're talking about an AHL goalie, um, we should probably move on. <laughs> so, so um, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna enough. move on here. Uh, uh, and uh, hey, maybe the Jets are gonna have to call one up because yeah, they're yeah. probably gonna need one. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, yeah. So the Winnipeg Jets are the last team that we're talking about here. Um, they add um, Alex Ayafalo, Gabe Velarde, uh, Rasmus Kupari, Laurent Boursois. Um, they also add Truchon Viel. I don't know who that is. Um, yeah, it's Jeffrey Viel who was uh, with the Sharks. But why do you have Truchon? Because when he was drafted, it was Truchon Viel. Is it just Jeffrey Viel now? I thought so. Okay. Well, the more you know, then I still call. Well, because usually you just you just give us give me like the, the last name, so it's okay. It's well, it's, it's the same player in the Sharks that you've uh, heard okay, of. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's the same guy. Yeah. Okay. And then um, they also got Colin Delia, who hey, speaking of AHL goalies, oh, uh, we'll see it. We'll see you in February, buddy. Okay. Um. I, yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. There's that. Um. And then Knizov. I think that's another Sharks player, right? Yeah. Um, I yep. don't know his first name though, but um. Yeah. Um, and then on the way out, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Blake Wheeler, um, Leon Gwonki. Um, yeah, he was the guy who went to San Jose for uh, Niaisev. That's right, right. Uh, Sam Gagne, um, Stenland, I don't know the first yeah, name there. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Stenland, uh, formerly of the Blue Jackets. Carson Kuhlmans, um, yeah. and uh, Michael Berdeen. I also have here David Riddick as well. Um, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, he is no longer in the Jets. That's correct. Yeah, you're forgiven. You you done a good job here. Um, hey, they, so. maybe they could have used him, though, you know, because, yeah. you know, they, they might not have a certain goalie uh, for, for long. Right, right, right. We'll see. Um, in any case, um, they, um, yeah, this, this Winnipeg Jets team is, it's kind of a, Weird. Um, they're in a weird situation um, because mm-hmm. they haven't. Because I, I guess, because they traded P out, um, it seems like they're on the verge of a rebuild. However, like the guys gave Velarde and Alex Iafalo, um, it's like okay, like Gabe Velarde actually had like I remember there was a time early on in the season where Gabe Velarde was, like, really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. And he had, like, you know, he ended the, the season with 41 points in 63 games. Um, they have him on the first line with Shifley and Kyle Connor. It's like, okay, maybe. Yeah. Um, he he, he just got something. caught in numbers game in L.A. Yeah. That's that's, uh, that's yeah. the main thing with Velarde. It wasn't like, really you know, anything to do with this play. But even still, like, 14 point, 41 points in 63 games. In, yeah. And he also got injured as well um, in uh, 15 minutes of ice time on average. Like, that's not bad. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, yeah. every three games played to get a yeah. point in two of them. Like, that's, yeah. that's like, close to a point six six points per game. Yeah. That's pretty serviceable. And then Alex Iafalo, it's kind of a similar thing. It's like, yeah, he didn't, mm-hmm. he got injured, um, but still, like when he was playing, thirty six points in fifty nine games, that's sixty one points per game or point six one points per game. Um, that's also not bad. Um, but they have him here as a third line player, so we'll see about that. But um, 
but uh, yeah, so so it's like okay, maybe they're they're working with something. We'll see. Um, and yeah, as you alluded to, it's like, it seems like Connor Hellebuck has requested a trade. Um, well, he still hasn't been traded yet. I'm sure, like in an hour. I don't know if he's fully uh, like said I want out, but he, he said he want he wants to be on a like. So here's the situation. He said that he probably wants out of Winnipeg without saying he wants out of Winnipeg. He uh, wants to be on a contender, which the Jets are not. Got it. And if you have a year to prove to him that um, you are a team that's, you know, um, worth staying for, I don't think it's going to happen. And it's going to be a multi-year project. I don't think he's interested in that. So yeah. if so facto, they're probably trading him before the deadline. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and the sooner the better, I might add. Like, yeah. get as much value as you can. I I thought I heard that he had, like, publicly requested a trade, but you might be right. But, uh, yeah. it, you, you could be right on that, but uh, yeah. from from what I heard, yeah. uh, I don't think it's like he's blurted out, get me out of here. But yeah. uh, it, based on the things that we've heard, um, it's, it's pretty apparent that... Yeah, yeah. The, the stars aren't aligning for him to stay in Winnipeg. Fair, fair. Um, but, um, but yeah, in any case, um, there's, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, they, um, they're going to be kind of an interesting team to watch out for because it's like, yeah, they don't have PLD and, you know, assumedly they're going to be starting this rebuilding phase because um, they also got rid of Blake Wheeler um, their captain, so um, so that's another reason there. But like at the same time, it's like Kyle Connor, um, eighty points in eighty-two games. Mark Scheifele with sixty-eight points in eighty-one games, not as good as he used to be, but still not bad. Um, they they add like Cole Perfetti into the mix. I I assume he's going to take a step forward in his uh, development. Um, jo- Josh Morrissey. Um, Underrated, seventy six points in seventy eight games. Um, so, yeah. um, and then like you know even like Neil Pionk in thirty three points in eighty two games. So it's like even like maybe Connor Hellebuck. Has, maybe you're right. Like maybe Connor Hellebuck is just waiting to see what this team does in the first half, um, and then he's but like he's also not a po- like and just seeing what they have. And like if you add like Gabe Lardy into the mix, if you add um, you know. Um, even like Alex Iafalo into the mix too. It's like, yeah, it's it's probably not going to be Blake Wheeler. It's not going to be Pierre Luc Dubois. But I always got the sense that those two guys just didn't want to be in Winnipeg. And you're getting like two younger guys um, into the into the fold. Um, so it's like you would rather like like that's always been the thing with Winnipeg is that there's always been like it's hard to keep guys in on the team um, because it's not like a desirable place to live but um, but yeah I've also heard that uh, people trash Winnipeg for it's bad Wi-Fi uh, yeah. but Patrick Lyon insisted that it's sick right 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 I remember hearing that um, but but at the same time it's like if if the, those reports were true that Pierre-Luc Dubois didn't want to be there I think I heard similar that like Blake Wheeler wasn't necessarily a great captain there, um, and he didn't necessarily want to be in Winnipeg either. So it's like, you know, 
okay, fine. If you don't want to be in Winnipeg, don't be in Winnipeg. We're going to trade you. And, you know, yeah, you're only going to keep guys who want to be there. And so, like, I guess that's kind of why you feel like, okay, if Hellebeck doesn't want to be there, then fine. Okay, let's trade him and get whatever he's worth because he's going to be worth a whole lot because he's been a... He's been carrying this team on his back for, like, the last couple of years. Um, and I, I think the culture is yeah. a big thing that they're yeah, trying to change exactly. as well. Like, right. And we heard it in uh, Bonus's press conference uh, to end the year last year. Like, he was pissed off at the lack of pushback, the effort overall. Yeah. And it's it's not just, you know, getting good players. It's getting good players that want to be a part of this vision, not just for the short term, but for the long term. And... That's not something that gets rectified overnight. Sometimes it takes a couple of years to rectify that. But if you're looking at the rest of this division, if you're the Winnipeg Jets, uh, like what are you really doing for these next couple of years that warrants keeping guys like Shifley and Hellebuck? You're better off moving them for mm-hmm. pieces you can use down the road long term. Yeah. Um, is that like, do you have anything more on the Winnipeg Jets or? Because I was kind of. Um, I'm mostly going to say that um, if you're a guy like Cole Perfetti, the second half is where your value is really going to be tested because that is where, you know, as guys like Mark Shifley leave, as Connor Helluck leave, um, I would assume they're going. Yep. Again, we've, we've talked about that enough times to kind of gauge what the situation is in Winnipeg. Um, this, this is where the young guys are going to have to – step up or shut up like if uh i i remember in 2019 when mark stone left and brady kachuk was having a pretty good rookie season but he really stepped up his game in the second half and showed signs of the leader that he would eventually become and the player that he is today and the winnipeg jets young guys are gonna have to do that once you start to see the old guard um start to clean out their lockers and um, I think February to April is going to be very interesting to see where their developments are at. Um, there's also guys like Colby Barlow. Um, yep. Maybe they give him a sneak peek in the middle of the campaign. Oh. I, I don't think they're really going to rush him into the NHL I right away, that. but yeah. he signed to his entry-level contract. Uh, he played in the OHL last year, looked very good. Also, for a guy who's under 20, mm-hmm. uh, sick flow, sick mustache. Mm-hmm. Um I'm interested to see what uh, he looks like when he's like 30 years old. Yep. But uh, he, he already looks like a, from from a face perspective, he looks like a 24, 25 year old. Like the kid's growing like a full beard, pretty much like a pretty solid mustache. Um, but um, a talented hockey player that I think is going to be a part of that youth movement. And if he continues to elevate his game this year, I'd be curious to see if, you know, if, they just said, hey, we need a guy. Can you come help us out? And uh, he pauses whatever uh, stage of his season that he's in, regardless of whatever team it is. And he goes up for a couple of games and he gets his feet wet and they send him back down. Um, I'm, I'm kind of interested where guy where guys in the Colby Barlow range are, are going to be evaluated in their game and if they're going to get um, some significant ice time uh, down the line as these changes take place. Yeah. I imagine they're going to give Barlow um, a few more years before he's ready. It's not like he's a Connor Bedard, Adam Fintilli type player. 
Um, the I, the other thing I will say is, speaking them. of goaltending, uh, Dom D. Vincenzo. Uh, I'm going to butcher yeah. this guy's name. Uh, Dom Divashentis. Dom Divashentis. Um, uh, one of the best goalies in the OHL last year is uh, Winnipeg Jets draft pick. Uh, probably not going to be ready anytime soon, but within the next couple yeah. of years, I'm interested to see how his development goes because he could be their goalie of the future. Yeah, he had a, a 9.19 save percentage in a two, and 2.33 GAA in 48 yeah. games. In, in, the, um, in the rookie tournament as well for the yeah. Jets, he got some reps, and uh, from yeah, what yeah. I saw, he looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, I also um, I realized I didn't uh, say, like, because in the past other previews that we've done, I had said what the teams did last year in terms of points and where they were in the standings. So I'm just going to say the standings from last year on the Central Division. So um, just to counteract everything there, um, in case anyone cares even. Um, last year, uh, Colorado finished in first uh, with 109 points. Then you get uh, Dallas in second with 108 points. Then you have Minnesota Wild with 103 points. Um, and then there's a little bit of a downgrade um, because you have Winnipeg Jets with 95 points, but Winnipeg still made the playoffs. Um, then you get into Nashville, um, and Steve alluded to that I, uh, that they Nashville missed the playoffs by one point, but they still had 92 points um, and finished fifth in the division. Uh, then you have St. Louis with 81 um, and then you have an even bigger drop-off with Arizona in 7th with 70 points and Chicago with 59 points um, in last place um, in the division and also in the league. Um, okay, so now we go into um, who takes the Central's top three spots. Um, I think I'll go with uh, Dallas as the one, Colorado as the two, um, it's, it's between Minnesota, Nashville, and St. Louis, or Winnipeg, I guess, maybe. Um, I'll go with Minnesota as the three, um, here. I'm going to go with the exact same seedings as it finished last year. Um, Colorado, by the way, had to battle back yep. to win the division title. Uh, because of all the injuries, but they did have games in hand. They made up for their yep. slow start, and uh, they got the division title. Uh, maybe they'll be in control. Maybe they'll have to bow back. Maybe it's a little column A, column B. But either way, I think they're going to win the division once again. I think Dallas is going to regress, but not too much, and uh, they are going to get the second seed. And then uh, Minnesota is a, is a good but boring team in the sense that they're not going to be able to really acquire any significant pieces um, to bolster their chances uh, of winning the Stanley Cup this year. So I think they're going to be in that realm of they're a third seed, but they're not going to be as electrifying as you think mm -hmm. outside of, you know, a couple of star players that they have yep. that obviously made their team very better. Uh, so I would say Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota is my top three. Um Although I, I, I will say that uh, Nashville is going to surprise some people with oh, their yeah. roster. I, I really think uh, that uh, in, in combination with the, the pieces that they have, and of course UC Saros being UC Saros, 
and Andrew Burnett's coaching style, I think they are going to make some noise, and they're definitely going to make uh, life tough for their opponents. Yeah. I think um, it's interesting, too, because I feel like the Central used to be the strongest division, and maybe it's like mm-hmm. partially because Chicago and Arizona are in this division as well, and now it looks like St. Louis is going to drop off. Who knows with Nashville and Winnipeg. So now it like, feels like Central is one of the weakest divisions now. Um as opposed to one of the strongest. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, in terms of the wild card, again, I forget who I picked in the, the Pacific. I think I picked Vegas, Edmonton, LA um, for the Pacific. Um, I think Yeah, I, I think that sounds about right. Um, in terms of the wild card, um, I'll say Seattle. Um, and then it would be boring if I said Winnipeg as well because that was the same as last wow, year. You're you're pretty high in the Jets, even if they deal hell. Well, no, no, no. I said it, I said it would be boring if I said Winnipeg because they were there. I'm just trying to think. So oh. Seattle, Seattle's definitely won there. Um, do I think Nashville is good enough to be a wild card? You know what? I'm gonna go with Seattle and Calgary. Mm, I thought we would be going yeah. with the Flames. Yeah, yeah. I think if Markstrom plays average goaltending, yep. uh, Calgary's a playoff team. Like, there else, were a lot yeah. of bad factors and a lot of bad I, luck I, that couldn't be explained through numbers yeah, that contributed fair. to their downfall. I, I, I so. will say that I feel like, yeah, there's two ways that that could go down. I also think that Huberdeau and Kadri are going to be a lot better than they were yeah. um, previously. And I also think um, I, I do like Peltier. Um, and I think, yeah, you're right. Markstrom had a bag, like also had an equally down year as well. He could improve, but it could also be the case where Dustin Wolf like takes over in the third. Uh, in the second half or something like that, um, and uh, and becomes that guy. Um, so, so I could see that happening as well. Interesting, interesting. Um, I, I think you're right about Seattle as well. I have them as wild card one, wild yep. card two. I am going Nashville. Okay. Uh, with Calgary, St. Louis, Vancouver in the hunt. I think the reason why I left off Calgary is because I'm not really certain. I'm less than fifty percent certain that Elias Lindholm is going to remain with the Flames. Yeah, he says fair. he wants to, but that that it, the future of Elias Lindholm, and they're not going to let him walk for nothing. They're going to get something out of him if he's not staying. Um, I, if Elias Lindholm leaves, I don't think this team is making the playoffs, yep. plain and simple. That's a tough piece to lose. Uh, St. Louis, yeah, no thanks. And Vancouver, I don't trust their first half. Uh, it would be hilarious. Uh, well, it would be hilariously painful for Canucks fans to go through another bad first half and then watch the team pick it up when it matters the least. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think Nashville's bold gambles uh, for the short term are going to pay off. They'll sneak into the playoffs. I don't know how good they'll be when they get there, but I definitely think they're good enough to be a playoff team. So give me Seattle Nashville as wild cards. Yeah, that's fair about... Um... Calgary, um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's why they play the the games, right? That that's is the why they do the hockey. Yes, that's why they do the hockey. Um, <laughs> we'll reserve the final four till next week and our Stanley Cup predictions till next week. 
um, just to make it easier. We're also reaching the two-hour mark here, so yeah, we want to. But uh, what we're at, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, even though, yeah, we won't. I mean, it's an hour fifty-four, so <laughs> we'll we'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, you can follow us on on Twitter at um, Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. You can um, also subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever else you get your podcasts. That's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth, and we'll react to everything else in episode 382 with a couple more predictions, hopefully, on the Lace Them Up podcast. <laughs>